to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, where we've reached the end of another countdown to Christmas in July. We've once again celebrated some goofy holiday specials along the way, so I've decided let's top it off by celebrating them all at the same time. So pack up your accordions and join us on a trip back to 1997 as we journey 20 miles below the surface of the Earth to the split-level cave of Weird Al Yankovic. It's the Weird Al Show, and the obligatory holiday episode. Oh, this is a story about a guy named Al, and he lived in a sewer with his hamster pal, but the sanitation workers really didn't approve, so he packed up his accordion and had to move to a city in Ohio, where he lived in a tree, and he worked in a nasal decongestant factory, and he played on the company bowling team, and every single night he had a fringe recurring dream, where he was wearing leader hosen and a bat of sour cream, but that's really not important to the story. I am undefeated in the Weird Al-themed hurdle offshoot Weirdle, Mike Westfall, and joining me is a Big Shot TV producer I rescued from a bear trap and I'm glad I kept in touch with. It's Joey O. Hey, Joey. Hey, I'm also undefeated in Weirdle. I was as of the recording of this. Yeah, what was today's? Oh, I lost on Jeopardy is what I got. The only ones that have been difficult are the polkas. Yeah. To me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you there. The other ones seem to be like, oh, yeah, it's that one. Thank you so much. I believe you mentioned this a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, I'd like to give credit to a uh, pop culture writer, Nathan Rabin, who has written multiple books about Weird Al. And uh, when he wrote the weird accordion to Al about every single song, he did some bonus content for people who uh, gave to his Kickstarter. And he reviewed every single episode of this because wow. I would not have remembered there was a holiday episode of the Weird Al show otherwise. Well, I am ashamed to admit that I missed this entire show the first time around. Did not know it existed until well after it was done. I was a senior in high school. I was kind of swamped. But but let's hear your story of the Weird Al show. Well, I'm not going to tell my story of Weird Al because then I'll just be here for an hour talking about <laughs> that alone. <laughs> yeah, I but um, I was a big enough super fan to watch this show when it was on. I'm pretty sure I saw every episode because it only lasted one short season which uh, from researching lasted about three or four months and that was it. Yep. So maybe I, I taped them or watched them, but I know I saw it at the time, but I remember just bits and pieces of it or like whatever I taped. He had some good musical guests. I know that. Did they? Nice. The bare naked ladies was on it. I think pre one week, like maybe old apartment era. BNL. Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel like mm -hmm. one week was. A few years off still. Yeah. Um, Radish was on it. Do you know Radish? Wow. I haven't thought about Radish in a very long time. That is uh, Ben Queller's old band. Uh, yeah. Who, when he was in uh, high school, his band got signed to a major label, kind of like a Weezery grunge pop band. And sure. I know Ben a little. And I interviewed him a couple of years ago for his last solo album. Oh. And we talked about that. I'm like, hey, here's a question about Radish. No one's ever asked you. What was it like being on the Weird Al show? He's like, <laughs> oh, man, Weird Al. He's so nice. 
He still sends me a Christmas card, I think. What do you remember about playing the Weird Al show? Oh, dude, <laughs> that was amazing. You know, so a lot of people don't know about this, but Weird Al had a TV show for a minute. And they also had musical acts. I don't know how many episodes were shot. Maybe they did a full season, but my band Radish, we were invited to be on one of the episodes. And what's cool about it is they would give acting bits to the musicians. So like we had lines and um, that was a proud moment for me. I was always a huge Weird Al fan. And uh, that's where I, 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 so I met Al that day and, I have actually kept in touch with him through the years. I remember picking up the album Running With Scissors in 1999, hearing the theme song there, not realizing until much, much later, it wasn't just a track on the album. There was an actual Weird Al show. And then I didn't have anywhere to watch it until it was released on DVD in, I think, 2006. A friend actually gave me it on DVD around then, I guess, which I don't think I've ever opened it. Or watched it. And now it's out of print. So who knows how much it's worth, but it's sitting in a box with all our DVDs. Very nice. Uh, watching it, I found it was very, very reminiscent of Pee Wee's Playhouse in the best ways. We'll get there. We will. Uh, but the Weird Al show aired on CBS on Saturday mornings at 1130 in the fall of 1997, a time when the traditional Saturday morning lineup stuffed with programming aimed at kids was really on its way out. That's the same year CBS added two hours of the news in the middle of Saturday morning at a reasonable volume from 9 to 11. NBC had been doing a Saturday edition of the Today Show for a few years by then, so this was the beginning of the end. But hanging in there at 1130, right after the Sports Illustrated for Kids show, (laughs) was this gem I can't believe I missed. This episode first aired Saturday, November 29th, 1997. Right after Thanksgiving, it was the last episode recorded for the show, and it was intended to be the series finale, well, the season finale, but I guess however it ended up being second to last, I don't remember, but just got shuffled out of order. Uh, But if you want to watch it along with us, the Weird Al show is streaming on YouTube and a couple of other places, courtesy of Shout Factory TV. I believe I also saw it on Peacock, if you have a Peacock account. Nobody's favorite streaming service, Peacock. (laughs) Uh, Or you could find this episode a few other places. It's not hard to find. So here we go. We open with today's lesson, helpfully read to us by the show's unnamed announcer, but it's the unmistakable voice of Billy West. Today's lesson is when friends want to share their feelings, you should be a good listener. Yeah. Should we, we get into that part of why this show exists? Why does this show exist? The educational part of the show, the educational requirements of the show. Oh, sure. Be- yeah. Yeah. So the Weird Al had been trying to get a TV show for years, like, you know, trying to pitch things. And CBS was basically like, fine, we'll give you it. We'll give you a kid's show. But you have to make it educational because there's educational requirements by the government, maybe. That sounds about right. Yeah. Bill Clinton wanted it to be educational for kids. So they kind of had to dumb it down a bit from what they wanted. And if you've read any of Al's, any thoughts on this before, he was not too happy and they had to fight a lot with the network to just not make it uh, really talk way, way, way down to kids. Cause that's how the tone of the show ended up a lot of times. Like 
Billy West is going to tell you in case you can't possibly figure out the moral of the story. Billy West is going to spoon feed it to you (laughs) multiple times. But it was in his Billy West voice. So it kind of it worked here. (laughs) He went for like a a 50s announcer sort of the film strips that they show you in class like (laughs) that. Or in the show, actually. Yeah, right in the show. Just to, to borrow from Pee Wee's Playhouse a bit and its predecessor, the Pee Wee Herman. So his, his voice kind of reminded me of the don't be a Mr. Bungle guy. That was the other thing. I mean, I, I know we've already started getting to the episode, but that's the other thing about the show. It's also that CBS clearly, clearly wanted another Pee Wee Herman. Oh, absolutely. Like they clearly are like, I don't remember if like the set design is the same, like people that were involved with Pee Wee. Probably not because they were probably his original folks that he worked with but man it's just like from the the set design like i said to the vibe of it to some other aspects i'll mention later it's just shamelessly like cbs was like well we can't have peewee anymore (laughs) they they took us they took him away from us let's make this one right yeah that that is absolutely how it feels watching it and then comparing the two side by side and also uh, the other i think like the biggest issue with this show is that because they wanted it to be peewee al like acts like a big man child all the time in this show <laughs> he does and peewee can get away with that because that's his shtick and that's the vibe he created for years and years but al's sort of like cosplaying kind of a peewee thing here i did get that vibe and yeah. al can get away with it just because there are some songs of his where he takes that tone and he becomes that character. So mm-hmm. it worked, but it was also obvious. Not a complaint, just an observation, really. But Al is doing some last minute decorating around the cave for a party for all of his friends, a big holiday party. The thing is, we couldn't decide on which holiday, so we're just going to celebrate them all. It's going to be great. Which I feel like I need to do sometime. I can't believe I haven't done it yet. Uh, my wife and when it was just the two girls, we went for Halloween one year as other holidays. That was fun. Uh, what was I? I was St. Patrick's Day. Uh, my wife was, was she Valentine's Day? She was Valentine's Day. My older daughter was Christmas and the baby at the time was Fourth of July. So it was very fun. I'm thinking now when Krusty uh, celebrated all the holidays at once, he had a crazy Kwanzaa and a tip top tet. <laughs> and a Solomon, a dignified Ramadan. Yes. Oh, and behind him are decorations uh, for Happy New Year and some Fourth of July flags and some generic Mexican themed Happy Fiesta signs. He then shows off his spread of various holiday foods, including chocolate bunnies stuffed with cornbread, green shamrock matzas, candy corn on the cob, and the least appetizing, a heart shaped ham. Aside from the ham, all of those look kind of okay. Right around here, when Al wonders where all his friends are, and he checks his watch, which he wears on his ankle, which if I could move my legs like that, so would I. They should have been here 27 seconds ago. Ah, there's the first Easter egg. We get the 27 in there in Mm -hmm. almost exactly a minute. Well done. So a worried Al checks on his secret ingredient to hosting a great party, his mood pie. It's like a mood ring, but it's a pie, which... Just does not sound like a good idea to bake for any occasion. It's no mood slime. Yeah, well, that's just asking for trouble. Does it do Emily Lou Harris? (laughs) 
Case in point, this pie started out as a lovely shade of turquoise, but is now dark gray and bubbling. Oh, no. (laughs) But then the doorbell rings and it's back to normal. Yay. And in typical crazy TV show fashion, the moment Al answers the door, in rush all of his friends. Hey, everybody. (laughs) All in various holiday themed costumes. Because it's a costume party, too. Uh, First is a man dressed as Santa, whom Al thinks is genuinely Santa. You know how Santa's always wearing superhero masks. Or should be. So he jumps into his arms and starts reading off his wish list. Ho, 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 neighbor. Have you been a good crime stopper this year? (laughs) Hi, Santa. I want a brand new bowling ball and a drool baby with two extra cans of baby drool and a real life pony. (laughs) But Al accidentally Yankovic's Santa's beard off his face. And then screams in terror to find it's not Santa, it's actually his neighbor, the Hooded Avenger, played by Brian Haley, whom I remember as a dad in the movie Little Giants who takes football extremely seriously. Looking him up because I never saw Little Giants. Oh, apparently he was in season seven of Wings. I must have seen him in that. Oh. (laughs) His scenes were deleted from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, he seems like it. Like if I'm remembering his character, he's like extreme football dad seems to be a typecast for him. But here he's the hooded Avenger who starts to sadly tell Al a story of a boy who wanted a pony for Christmas more than anything in the world. But he never got one. But Al quickly changes the subject before we get to listen to the end of that story to go check out our spread, he says. And the hooded Avenger just replies, oh, Thanks for not listening to my story and walks away. And that's going to be the pattern for pretty much the rest of this episode. Next, down from the ceiling on a little rope swing enters Al's secret agent friend, Val Brentwood Galspy. Now! Hey, what was that for? I'm celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And you aren't wearing a little green. Oh, well, yes, I am. Look. No, that's aquamarine. Played by Paula Jai Parker, it's Ice Cube's girlfriend Joy from Friday. (laughs) Today, Val is dressed in a very cute leprechaun outfit and gives Al a great big pinch on a cheek for not wearing green. Again, didn't we talk about this on Leap Day? Yes. I never knew about the pinching thing. My mother has 100% Irish ancestry, and I brought it up to her a couple of years ago when we were talking about Leap Day, and she had never heard of it. I definitely had heard of it before that, but it's still something very obnoxious to do. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to. Which makes it fit in kind of well here, actually. Everyone's just being obnoxious because that's everyone's character description. They just wrote the word obnoxious on a sheet to every (laughs) cast member. And it works. Val asks what she should try first, and Al recommends the tapioca stuffed potatoes, which he just told the Hooded Avenger to stay away from. Next, we meet Madam Judy. Oh, give Madam Judy your palm. I must read your palm. Uh, okay. Oh, no. A resident psychic played by Judy Tenuta, known to the comedy world as the love goddess. But did you recognize her from other Weird Al media, Joey? They are friends and they work together in various places. I think she might be in at least one of his videos. She is in the music video for Headline News. Ah. As Lorena Bobbitt. Mm-hmm. She is. Don't look it up, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the vehicles for this show. 
is that Al got to work in a lot of his friends in the cast here and there and have cameos and also his heroes. We'll get to uh, Stan Freeberg later. Yes, we will. But some other friends of his show up along the way, um, like Emo Phillips, of course. Oh, yeah. So Madam Judy immediately sits Al down to read his palm. Suddenly the lights go dim as Madam Judy reads horrible tragedy in Al's future. I see you being tortured by the anguish of a thousand plagues, writhing in agony in the middle of the desert. This giant bird circle you and the sun deep fries you into a big fat crispy fritter. Really? No, April Fool's. I did not initially guess April Fool's as the holiday. I did. Did you? I, I saw that coming. Well, she was wearing blue and yellow, so I thought... Could it be Leap Day before Leap Day? <laughs> Al tries to get up, and Madam Judy pulls him back down as she gets another message. Listen to what your friends have to say, or the holiday spirit will go away. And at this point, if I'm a kid, I'm going, hey, that sounds like the thing Billy West told us earlier. But unfortunately, Al thinks it's another April Fool, and he walks away from yet another party guest. He's trying to mingle. Solid effort. But next, dressed in a red and pink dress, trimmed with hearts for some mystery holiday starting with a V. Uh, voter registration day. And I'm hoping to get some cards. Venus flytrap day. Uh, Vietnamese pot-bellied pig day. Or maybe some flowers. Volcano worshippers day. No, silly. It's Vinny. Vinny day. Hmm, well, that's a new one. It's Al's cousin Corky, played by Danielle Weeks, who appears to be best known for this, according to IMDb, but she's also a former groundling. Oh, there you go. Yeah, she's probably really best known as comedy's Danielle Weeks, and she just fits in right here. There's a lot of people that were in the groundlings that just did the groundlings that didn't, you know, leap to TV or, you know, being one of the greatest SNL cast members of all time. Or right. Or become characters in shows like The Weird Al Show and Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, she has a lot of one-off roles in Buffy and Charmed and Third Rock from the Sun looking at this. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I could not recognize the guy playing Corky's pilgrim date, but it's probably for the best since his attention quickly turns toward a woman dressed like an angel. Well, I also don't recognize. But after Corky storms off, clearly upset, Al invites everyone to grab a glass of punch because it's time for a toast only to get interrupted again, this time by a voice on a nearby TV monitor. Remoting in 23 years before it was cool <laughs> is very busy executive J.B. Toppersmith, played by the legend Stan Freeberg. Ah, Yankovic, J.B. Toppersmith here. Say thanks for inviting me to your party, my boy. How do you best know Stan Freeberg, Joey? I don't think I know anything specific from him so much as I knew his name. Um, oh, yeah. Looking him up. Oh, yeah. I, I think I knew that he was. Yeah, he did a lot of cartoons. He did Looney Tunes. Did yeah. he do um, some stuff with Pink Panther or no? No, that's Fritz Freeling. Right. Well, that's the director. He might have yeah. he might have done something like that. But yeah, he, we all know Mel Blanc as the voice of Looney Tunes. But when they needed to pair him up with a second voice for pairs like Spike and Chester, the dogs or Hubie and Birdie, the mice, they called in Stan Freeberg. Mm hmm. Uh, he also has a comedy sketch called Christmas Dragnet that involves a guy brought in for the heinous crime of not believing in Santa Claus. It's on a compilation CD my dad got from Philadelphia radio station WOGL uh -huh. back when it was still oldies 98. 
they just changed their positioner this year. And my friend Brendan and I are always like, it's still oldies 98 to me. Damn it. Yeah, man. <laughs> why aren't they? Why isn't Cousins and Brucey on the air? Oh, dear. in America. <laughs> Here via video conference, Stan Freeberg is J.B. Toppersmith, who's a very busy man and couldn't attend the party in person. But between him and Al, he could sure use a friend to talk to. But Al very awkwardly avoids the conversation by saying, hey, your punch looks a little short on ice cubes. I'll messenger some right over. That's what's been missing from online communication. Ice cubes. He invented. Uh, um, uh, what's the, the all I want to say is good eats, but that's that's wrong. What's the, the mail in Uber Eats, Uber Eats, Uber Eats. Yes. Uh, but first, it's time for his toast, which I'm going to cut in here because it's great. I want to thank everyone for coming. And I want to wish you all the very best Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Easter, Passover, Rosh Hashanah, and Cinco de Mayo, as well as the happiest Groundhogs, Valentine's, President, St. Patrick's, Mothers, Fathers, Veterans, Memorial, Flag, Independence, Labor, Arbor, Boxing, Columbus, and Bastille Day ever. Still no can in the day because Al just really doesn't want to be a Canadian idiot. Uh. Thank you. Uh, and everyone drinks and immediately spits out their tuna punch. It's an acquired taste. Uh, well, now he's worried and he checks on his mood pie, which we don't get to see this time, but it doesn't sound good as he asks the audience what he's going to do. And the voice of Billy West cuts in with some helpful advice. If Al wants his party to really rock, maybe he should listen when his friends talk. And that leads us into a commercial break. And we return after those messages to find Al's mood pie has turned an unappetizing shade of brown. And it's bulging at the top like that portion bread from Star Wars. So Al decides it's up to him to cheer up his guests, starting with his uncle Ralphie, played by Jack Plotnick. Uh, hey, let me guess. Um, you're celebrating Easter, right? No, no, no. Uh, Fourth of July. Oh, <laughs> then why are you dressed up like the Easter Bunny? Because someone else took the last Uncle Sam costume. Who was the deputy mayor of Sunnydale in season three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The reference to Buffy. So the deputy mayor. So he reported to the actual mayor. Yeah. Who turned into a snake. Spoilers. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but he is best known to me from the Comedy Central show Drawn Together. Oh, yeah. As the voice of Xander, a stereotypically gay parody of Link from The Legend of Zelda. And not um, not Xander Harris. No, not Xander Harris. <laughs> from Buffy. And Probably I had words with each other, though. Looking back, it's like, why did I watch that show drawn together? <laughs> it was not good. It was no, unnecessarily it was crass. Bad. It was on and it was 2001. Yep. Early 2001. Uncle Ralphie is dressed in a bunny costume, but he's not celebrating Easter. He wants to celebrate the 4th of July, but someone took the last Uncle Sam costume. And that someone is Varna, the squirmies cook from the island of Squirma. If you snooze, then you lose. You knew I wanted to be Uncle Sam. Oh, what are you going to do, bust out crying, bunny boy? He's played by Ed Marquez, who is best known to me from an early, early ZDTV show before it was even tech TV. It was called Internet Tonight. Oh. Where he played the channel's night watchman and self-proclaimed internet expert known as the Surf Guru. If you had the internet in 1998, this was as close to here's what's trending as you could get. 
Just imagine an entire TV show of look what we found on the World Wide Web. Wasn't that uh, the successor to Talk Soup, pretty much? It was very much like Talk Soup, except they tried to like they had a serious anchor and then they cut to like more comedic bits like this guy, Ed Marquez. And to tie it together there, the song Talk Soup on Alapalooza, written and recorded as a theme for the show Talk Soup, it was rejected and Al never leaves a scrap of anything unused. So that's how that song ended up on the album. I did not realize it was for the show. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just, I mean, because it's an expression. Yeah. So I thought it was just both of these exist. So does Peter Gabriel. <laughs> that was one of those things we were talking about. I lost on Jeopardy when we were talking about Weirdle today. I did not realize that was a parody of an actual song until maybe five years ago. Really? Until five years ago? I had no idea that the song Our Loves in Jeopardy existed. Uh, at my old job in in the bathrooms, they pumped in radio from just an 80s music channel. One day I'm in there and they're playing this song, Our Loves in Jeopardy. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's definitely overshadowed the original. That's for sure. Especially because oh, so yeah. many Jeopardy contestants reference it or like ch- have changed their like Twitter avatar. The Al in the video <laughs> where he's got the, the goggles on and the, the snorkel. That's right, Al. You lose. Hey, that snorkel has been just like a snorkel to me. <laughs> But Varna and Uncle Ralphie start arguing and Al covers his ears and shouts he doesn't want to listen to any of this. We're going to have a happy, happy, happy party. So Al sends them both on a little Easter egg hunt inside a dark abandoned mine shaft that's just right over there in the corner. So when I was looking up the uh, various, you know, Wikipedia entries, there was another episode with miners in it. And looking at who the miners were, they included... Clarence Clemens, huh. David Lander and Michael McKeon together, and <laughs> David Bowe from UHF. Oh, wow. We should talk about Al's place. Like like it says in the theme song, he lives in a split-level cave 20 miles below the surface of the Earth. And he's furnished it like only Weird Al and perhaps Pee Wee Herman can. <laughs> it's that same shade of 50s-era kitsch throughout the whole place. But the walls of the cave look very glittery and stalactite Reminding me a little of Fraggle Rock, yeah. if it was my grandmother's house. <laughs> I like the uh, the arcade machine. I was going to write down what it, what the name of it was. Oh, I didn't like, catch it. Yeah, it's like not Yank Vision, but it was something along those lines. Yeah, it was close. I'll throw it in later. I'll like, call myself some stupid bit. First unheard message. It's yank maniac End of message. To delete this message. Press seven. But yeah, so of course there's an abandoned mine shaft in the corner. And Al gives Uncle Ralphie and Varna a jack-o'-lantern-shaped flashlight and sends them on their way. Next, the hooded Avenger's still back, still dressed mostly as Santa, complaining that Val keeps pinching him for not wearing green. Al promises to talk to her about it, but he's just too preoccupied about the status of his party. Everyone's supposed to be happy, and he just can't figure out why they're not. So he checks on his mood pie again, and now it's a deep charred black. Have you ever ruined food that badly? No, I mean, I've, no. I've you know, burnt popcorn or something in the past, but I don't think I've ever turned something into a, a black ooze. 
I think toast is the worst that I've charred something even close to that mood pie. Uh, and mine wasn't pulsating, so. And now here to ask if there's something wrong with the mood pie is Al's accordion teacher, Mrs. Fezenmeyer. Something wrong with the mood pie? Oh, uh, hi, Mrs. Fezenmeyer. Gee, there sure seem to be a lot of unhappy people at this party. <laughs> she is played by Patricia Place, Another career actor whose filmography has a lot of roles that are just woman and old woman. <laughs> she was very good at that. Uh, apparently, she was an old Italian woman in The Wedding Crashers, but I've never watched that. But maybe I that helps you. Ooh, she was in two episodes of the Sarah Silverman program as Francine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to remember her as Weird Al's fictional accordion teacher. Dressed as a witch to celebrate Halloween and concerned that there are a lot of unhappy people at this party. Al insists the party's going great, but Mrs. Fezenmeyer suggests he worry less about the party, more about the feelings of his guests. So he suggests that everybody play a game of Jump in the Compost, which everyone decides to take a rain check from. We get a quick scene of Val running after the hooded Avenger, threatening to pinch him some more as Al walks back over to Corky. Is very upset sitting on the couch by herself. You know what you need? To talk about my feelings. No. A snack! And he drags her over to the kitchen, which has a very, very tall counter table. And the joke is he has to jump up to grab what's on top of it. And of course, what's on top of it is a fruitcake. Gee, I don't know anyone else who lived somewhere that looked like this who had a whole bunch of fruitcake. <laughs> right. A whole wing built from it, even. That's right. I thought they were going to make that same joke here, and it's very similar. Fruitcake seems like a very Weird Al slash Pee Wee sort of kitschy holiday staple. Yeah. Like Spam. Still haven't tried a fruitcake. Like Spam, yeah. Al and Pee Wee and Mickey Mouse all made the same joke, fruitcake bad. So we all just avoid it now. And as is tradition, this is a centuries-old, hard-as-a-brick Yankovic family fruitcake that apparently came over on the Mayflower on which it was used as an anchor. That's comforting. Tries to cut it first with a Ginsu knife, which the fruitcake just bends. Then he uses an old school electric knife. Haven't seen one of those in a long time. Did you ever have an electric knife or did your parents? No, like to cut through the turkey or something like that? No. I feel like my parents might have had one and I only remember like flashes of it. I remember someone having an electric knife. It's just not something I thought about until I brought it over here. I'm like, oh, that was a thing that no one used again. Uh, but it's when Al busts out a blowtorch that Corky finally tells him she's just not hungry and asks, don't you even know what's bothering me? And Al finally relents and asks her what's wrong. Well, her pilgrim escaped. She hasn't gotten a single Valentine all day or ever. Oh, that's the V holiday. Wait, what, what was her boyfriend's name? Vinny. Yes, because I, I saw that joke coming earlier where she's like, it's a V holiday. And then Al's like, Vinny day? And I yeah. said it like a split second before he did. Nice. <laughs> and Al, in true Al fashion, tells Corky, you're ruining my party. Corky. You're ruining my party. Now just snap out of it before you bum everybody else out, too. Here's what you're talking about. Very peewee-like here. I feel like those two could have joined forces more often because Al's obviously a fan of Pee Wee's work. Oh, yeah. Looking at you pretty fly for a rabbi. 
I dare say this might work better as a show geared toward children than Pee Wee's Playhouse did, at least in that educational sense. Al just did something with Paul Rubens recently because they were part of that live uh, Nightmare Before Christmas concert. Oh, yeah. I do remember seeing a photo one of them shared of the two of them with Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. which, man, that's a trio. And of course, Corky's upset at Al, goes into the abandoned mine shaft where she can talk to herself. At least then she'll have someone who will listen to her. Al ignores his cousin, gives the fruitcake a nice big lick. Ew. That's how you're supposed to eat it, right? Meanwhile, we cut to Val, who's still pinching people, including a sadly uncredited man in an elf costume, <laughs> who is clearly wearing green. Yes. Here, yeah, it, this is where Val just shrugs it off with a whatever and pinches him some more. Lovely message there for the kids. As Al checks in on the returning Uncle Ralphie and Varna, who couldn't find any Easter eggs because apparently some rats got to them first. Uncle Ralphie says next year he's going to Fred Huggins' holiday party instead. We will meet Fred Huggins later. <laughs> uh, but first, a siren starts blaring through the cave. <laughs> Uh, excuse me a second. And apparently it's coming from the mood pie, which is apparently too hideous to even show on camera now. So Al's got to do something fast. He comes up with an idea he sure will entertain everyone. It certainly would entertain me. A death-defying stunt from the one, the only, Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Oh, Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. But he's not here. I'm not coming out today. Groundhogs have their very own day. Why can't hamsters? It's not fair. Signed, Harvey. Well, I'm happy to report they do. What? National Hamster Day is apparently May 10th. No one seems to know why. We all just agreed on it, I guess. (laughs) That's fine. Happy National Hamster Day belated. Make sure to do the hamster dance. Oh, absolutely. Varna says today in his native squirma is hamster stewing day, but that doesn't sound like Harvey's idea of a fun time. Uh, Here is when a background character we haven't heard from until now, dressed as a colonial era British redcoat, proclaims his hatred for the 4th of July. And I always hated the 4th of July because I think that the United States should still be a part of England. We do have a credit for this guy. His name is Martin Lewis. He's mostly a well-known producer in the UK who co-founded an Amnesty International benefit show called The Secret Policeman's Ball with John Cleese. Oh, I know that name. It's Is that in like a song lyric or something? Oh, probably. Martin Lewis song lyric. It's just giving me things of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I was going to say he's not Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Together. No, he is not <laughs> in a trench coat. two comedians in a trench coat on top of each other i can't believe i fell for martin man (laughs) here he's credited as token brit and he directs his anger at varna dressed as uncle sam who claps back with well i've always hated the beatles i laughed at that (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and hatred for the beatles is the tipping point when the entire party erupts into everyone arguing with each other prompting Al to bang a couple oversized trash can lids together to get everyone to shut up and listen to him. He's hardcore. (laughs) Yes. He demands no more sad stories. This party is going to be happy people only, and if you're not happy, then leave. 
So they do. Everyone, leaving only Al by himself, with no idea what to do next, and he tells us... When the answers to life's questions elude you, there's only one thing to do. Watch TV! The basis for my entire podcast. <laughs> so we changed the channel, and we get a little Al TV segment. Not the MTV uh, replacement, unfortunately, but we do get Tony Maloney, your physical fitness friend who almost directly quotes Binky the Clown from Garfield and tells the people at home, Get off your lazy butts right now and exercise with me! So the thing about the Al TV segments is some of these people may be more familiar with. I'm more familiar with them because he used them in his live show. Now, if you've ever seen Al in concert, you know there are a ton of costume changes and breaks. And in between, he would run different clips together, be montages of his stuff. There would be bits from UHF that the crowd would love and just right. clips of him on other TV shows. Here he is on, you know, in The Naked Gun on 30 Rock and bits from The Weird Al Show too. another random miscellany. So some of these he's recycled in his live show over the years. He's doing the, the self-indulgent tour, which oh, I saw a couple right. of years ago and was wonderful for super duper fans but also he doesn't have to run around and make costume changes and uh you know hop on one foot because al is in his early 60s now he doesn't look like it no he doesn't i wish i could look like that in my early 60s i look worse than him in my 40s (laughs) but instead of jumping jacks tony maloney has two assistants stretch his arms out like stretch armstrong we do some channel surfing that also includes a clip of the Fred Huggins show. There he is. Well, Papa Booley, what would you like to do now? Get as far away from you as possible. Yeah, you stink. So this is Al's parody of Mr. Rogers and his puppet pal, Papa Booley, also performed by Stan Freeberg, as well as Baby Booley, played by Stan's son, Donovan. Joey, do you know Donovan Freeberg? Just from this as the son of Stan Freeberg. Oh, this is going to be fun. Uh-oh. So, okay. He was briefly the voice of Charlie Brown and Linus in some commercials in the mid-70s. In the 80s, he was the voice of Tom Little on The Littles. Oh, can't stop The Littles. And Montgomery Moose in The Get Along Gang. Oh. But he is best known as the kid who had a report due on space and then got the new Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) Uh, He's now a professional photographer, but he got to work with his dad a lot. Stan produced those Encyclopedia Britannica commercials, and that's his booming voice. Why not an A? (laughs) Hey, don't go away. The Weird Al Show will be back in a flash. Remember me? I'm the kid that had a report to on space. Then I got the new Encyclopedia Britannica. He had a report due on space, and then he got the new Encyclopedia... I think I made that abundantly clear. Um, yes. Anyhow, here it is. I mean, hey, everybody knows this is the greatest encyclopedia in the world. Help me get a B plus. Why not an A? Too long. I found so much great information, I put it all in. Overkill. Hmm. The next report I did was for my science class on the human body. Scored an A. Uh, good. Look at this. I always wondered where my mandibula was. Mm-hmm. For details on how you can own the new Encyclopedia Britannica... Let's have that 800 number. Excellent. Just call this number and we'll send you this free booklet. Tell them about the gift. And just for previewing Britannica in your home, we'll give you this three-volume desk reference set. This is like having your own research library at home. Mm, yes. So if you would be interested in owning the new Encyclopedia Britannica... Don't press. They see the phone number. If they want to, 
They'll call. I guess you're right. Trust me. Can you believe it? The Weird Al Show is back! Yeah, there he is. His flowing locks. <laughs> That's right. And red shirt. Uh, and including this as Papa and Baby Bully, who would love to do anything more now than to hear Fred Huggins' new song, I'm a Little Kitty, Meow, Meow. I'm a Little Kitty. I'm a little kitty. Meow, meow. This was the funniest part of the whole episode. My uh, wife also loved the cat song yes. part of it. This was the legit, like, laugh out loud, straight out funniest bit of the whole episode. Absolutely. I feel like my kids have sang a version of that song without even knowing. <laughs> uh, other stops while channel surfing include This Old Mouth, as Billy West introduces us to our friend, the uvula. That's one of those words I feel like Al has used before because it's just a funny word to say. Oh, yeah. Use it in a sentence as often as you can. And a fake Siskel and Ebert reviewing a movie called Rabid Puppy. All of which goes to show why I think Rabid Puppy is the best film of this year or any year. Well, that is probably the stupidest thing you have ever said. This movie was Horrible. I would rather rip my own head off than sit through this piece of garbage again. Yeah, well, that's the kind of ignorance I'd expect from a duty head like you. You talking to me, poopy pants? But the subtitles on YouTube thought he was saying rabbit puppy, <laughs> which sounds like a more interesting film. But not even TV can make Al feel better at the moment. Thankfully, his friends are better friends than he is, and Santa Hooded Avenger comes back to check on him. You know Al. Yeah, I know Al. He's this guy who can't even throw a party without bumming out his friends and chasing them all away. <laughs> and the Hooded Avenger gets to the root of the problem. They're with Al's ears. He's got to learn how to listen. And he helpfully adds, when one person shares and the other person listens, those two people get to be better friends. This is an extremely important lesson both for kids who can't wait to talk about everything and for adults who have the same problem. Parents very included. Uh, then Hooded Avenger opens up Al's front door to the elevator and everyone runs back in again, tackling him just like before. He's so glad everyone came back and he promises to listen from now on. And he actually does. They go through with it. So I like that part. I feel like if it was Pee Wee, he would forget like right out of the gate. Al's so happy he decides to do his own sharing with his friends in the form of a home movie. Now, this is the one thing I definitely remembered from this episode. I very specifically remember this whole bit. So, children, the round thing that the home movie is in is a film tin. Uh, it's a projector movie, like when you go to the theater. If they even do it that way anymore at the theater. No, they don't. It's I don't think digital. so. Yeah. Uh, either way. The thought of watching Al's home movies is enough to send everyone screaming and running for their lives in every direction. Chill out, y'all. It's not like it's a slideshow. <laughs> Carousel. Like Don Draper would sell you. Right. Were you forced to sit and watch home movies or slides as a kid? No, not really. I feel like that's a thing that you see like like Patty and Selma do on The yes, Simpsons. That's exactly what I thought of. I feel like, no, I remember once at like a Christmas party, my wife's family pulled on put up some old like home movies that they had like transferred to video at some point but that oh, was kind wow. of interesting yeah and that was when i was you know in my 30s so uh, my dad had both a projector and uh slides and i always loved it it was an event to me but i get it that was the way you had to sit and look at certain old pictures of the past and and most families are boring mine <laughs> included 
I think, yeah, I think my parents might've had something a while back too. They like my whole dad's, my whole dad's side of the family comes from Italy. Like my dad was born in Italy. Oh, wow. And I think they had some old like photos and footage they had set to music. I definitely remember now I think about it. Oh, wow. Set the music. numerous times. No, ours was just the slide projector fan just blaring and the (laughs) very loud, that machine and even the clicking of the slides. But I loved it. I was always enthralled by the experience. So I got your back, Al, who asks his friends, now, what did we learn about listening? So we watched the film strip, starting with Al's crazy Uncle Jonathan. And oh, my goodness, he is played by comedian slash magician, the amazing Jonathan. Who just passed away this year. Yes, he did. We see him carving the Thanksgiving turkey and accidentally cutting off his thumb, an amazing Jonathan staple. Later, we get to see him basically as himself in these home movies, putting on a magic show for Al and his friends. The bit with the tiger jumping out was pretty good. Too. Yes. There's the bunny. Uh, there's the bunny. Uh, whoops. <laughs> He'd always trick the other kids into leaving the room. Then... Ah! <laughs> oh, man. I couldn't sleep for three weeks after that. I want to say The Amazing Jonathan was either the first or the second stand-up show I watched when I first got Comedy Central. Oh, wow. The, uh, either him or Gallagher. And I had never heard of either of them before. And I was just like, well, this is interesting. I took to Amazing Jonathan more. For good reason. Um, <laughs> here in the home movies, Uncle Jonathan opens his front door to welcome his family, including Al as a kid, mustache and all. <laughs> I sadly do not have a credit for this kid playing young Al. Is that his parents playing his parents? It's his parents playing his parents. That's what I thought. Mary and Nick Yankovic playing themselves. Rest in peace to them as well. Yeah. Uh, but I love the I love the young Al. He's wearing an adult-sized wig, adult-sized <laughs> glasses, and a tacky shirt that he just hasn't grown into yet. Actually, wait. Is that uh, um, Daniel Radcliffe? <laughs> I wish that's going to be so interesting. It, they're just doing the the funnier die sketch as a full length movie. Basically. I don't know if they're read how much of it they're recycling or redoing, but it's the same guy who did the one with Aaron Paul. And um, oh, really? Yeah, it's it's the same, I think, director. So I think they're recycling a chunk of that. Oh, the wow. Quote unquote plot of it. Okay. Um, but. I don't know if Rain Wilson is going to be a better Dr. Demento than Patton Oswalt in the original short, because he's really perfect in it. Yeah, yeah, he is. If anybody, Rain Wilson can do it. Yeah. But Al's parents have been in quite a few of his videos, most notably in I Lost on Jeopardy and Amish Paradise. Also played themselves. Have you seen the Disney Channel mockumentary, There's No Going Home? No. Oh, it's fantastic. So the Disney Channel had this music series called Going Home, where it would be musicians, like it would be spliced scenes from their concert, and then they would actually go visit their hometowns. Uh, But when they did one with Weird Al, they made it a mockumentary, and he lived with this uh, blind old blues musician along with his friends, and they were just there, and he... Go watch it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. If it's not, it's got to be available somewhere. They should put that on Disney+. Plus. Put Going Home on Disney+. Plus. In addition to Thanksgiving in these home videos, which included the traditional family food fight. Uh, the home movies also show Tiny Al watching fireworks on the 4th of July and accidentally burning down the neighborhood with a sparkler. 
And then on Halloween, he's dressed in a skeleton outfit with a Richard Nixon mask. <laughs> the scariest of all monsters. <laughs> His friends come home with full bags of candy and all Al got was a big sack of broccoli. But then suddenly in the middle of the home movies, the film starts burning out. Because film strips that weren't properly cared for used to overheat and catch fire, apparently. Happened in elementary schools all the time, I'm sure. sure yeah, just fires breaking out all over schools. <laughs> or it happened It happened to a Chester J. Lampwick, the original <laughs> itchy and scratchy cartoon. <laughs> and that's enough for all of Al's friends to cheer that the movies are over. We do see Val apologize to the Hooded Avenger for pinching him so much. Mrs. Fezenmeyer strikes up a conversation with regular character on the show who's never seen a guy boarded up in the wall, voiced by Eddie Deason. Hey, Eddie's back. Hey, hey, guy boarded up on the wall. What, what holiday are you celebrating back there? Hanukkah. Oh, well, Feliz Navidad. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, don't look up what he's been doing on the internet for the last year or two. Oh, no. Yeah, I read an article. It's He's just like a cranky misogynist. Oh, man. On the internet. I didn't know that. Like, I know him now from the Polar Express. Oh, I know he's in that. I just know he plays nerd or wacky nerd. Right. We briefly ran into him earlier this season on Punky Brewster. Oh, and he was in a, a Midnight Madness. Yeah. <laughs> we on. Never expected Eddie Deason to show up twice in one season of this podcast and neither episode involving the Polar Express. But to tie up more loose ends, Uncle Ralphie finally gets to wear an Uncle Sam costume thanks to Varna, who actually listened to him and sweet-talked the man at the costume shop to whip up a matching costume. But most importantly, Harvey's back! Hey, Harvey! <laughs> and Corky's got a card for him declaring today Hamster Day. Must have not known about the May 10th thing. I sure didn't. But... Harvey reciprocates with a giant novelty Valentine card that's sitting next to his hamster wheel, but it counts. And Al checks on his mood pie, which is now a glistening silver and apparently delicious. My wife pointed out it looks like a Jiffy Pop at the end. It does. That's what I was thinking of. I'm like, it looks like something. Yeah, it's still pulsating, <laughs> which I don't know if mood. I don't know if any pie should be pulsating like that. <laughs> Even a. Mood pie in the best mood. But now I want Jiffy Pop. But Al tells us we'll be right back before Billy West, the announcer, cuts in to conclude the show. So it looks like the secret ingredients for friendship are one part sharing and two parts listening. Bon appetit. Remember that recipe, everyone. Write it down. It's not the recipe for a mood pie, though. No, apparently not. On. We're just about to wrap things up, but wait, we have one more surprise guest. <laughs> None of Al's friends was celebrating the new year, so to do that, it's Dick Clark. Well, thanks for dropping by, everybody. Come back next week when... Hey, Al! Hey! It's Dick Clark! What are you doing here? Well, I'm here to count down to the new year. What else? That was a great joke, too. It really was. <laughs> He's also the executive producer of the show, so... Yes, this is a Dick Clark production show. Unfortunately, arrived late as the show is ending. So instead, Dick suggests we count down from 10 to the closing credits. <laughs> Three, two, one. Happy closing credits! And everyone sings us out to Auld Lang Syne as we shout happy closing credits. 
at least the parts they can remember, they kind of fizzle out at the end with... (laughs) And that's how we end the show. Thank you again, Joey. Thank you for letting me uh, get to talk about one of my favorite subjects. I could have for another hour or two. Oh, I'm sure we could. There's something very important you missed about this show. Oh, no. What did I miss? So Peyton Reed directed every episode. You know Peyton, Peyton Reed? The name is escaping me, I'm sad to report. He directed both the Ant-Man movies, and I think he's definitely directing Quantumania right now as we speak. Oh, wow. But he's done a lot of other movies and TV shows. So I looked him up. Can you guess what his very first television directing credit is? Before this? Oh, he directed two episodes of The Mandalorian, actually. Oh, all right. I can't even begin to guess. He directed... The live action Doc Brown segments from Back to the Future, the animated series. Happy Back to the Future. I can't believe we squeezed it in. Thank you. I can't. When I saw that, I could not believe it. He's listed as 13 episodes, (laughs) live action sequences in Wiki. That sounds about right. This seems like the same sort of camera work. (laughs) Any final thoughts on the Weird Al show? Oh, let's see. Like I said, um, like I said at the top, it's just, you know, it's it's not exactly a footnote in Al's career. It's something I know he's not, I wouldn't say he's not proud of, but whenever he's talked about it in interviews, he's kind of bitter about how much they had to negotiate with CBS all the time because of that. Oh, let's look up what it's called. Education Initiative. Educational Informative was the official name of this. I can't think of the right word now. It's the knowing is half the battle act. Yeah, (laughs) it was. I don't know if it was a political, uh, you know, edict, but there were a lot of shows and programs. I think it was also maybe to crack down on how many shows were like toy commercials. That sounds about right. Yeah, it was an FCC thing to try and get the shows to be less about selling toys and buying junk food and being educational. But unfortunately, it just dumbed things down for kids. In the late 90s, it looks like. Uh, But thankfully, I feel like this show did the best to toe that line between actually being educational and doing its job and being silly about it and like being silly about conveying the message even. Yes. I mean, it's very silly. It's just I think he had a lot of uh, network notes to deal with. Sure. Sure. That's no fun for anyone. Yeah. Uh, I would like to point out that, you know, it is not mentioned in any way. In this episode, nor have we mentioned it in this podcast tonight, is both Christmas at Ground Zero and The Night Santa Went Crazy, because that is not the tone that CBS was going for. No, not at all. I'm sure Al would have loved some jokes about, you know, the nuclear apocalypse or, you know, blowing up the reindeer. But I don't think CBS would have wanted that. No. Some other movie did the night the reindeer died. Uh, yeah, but no, that that's where it was in, in Al's, you know, massive filmography, discography, you know, list of credits on Wikipedia. It happened. It was, you know, his first TV show he ever really got. It was, you know, years. It was almost a decade after UHF. So and now he has his movie coming out uh, later this year on Roku TV, which uh, you have to figure out how to get to Roku TV, people. Oh, man, I need to go. I think it it's on the fire stick. You can get it for free. Oh, is it on the fire stick? I yeah. have one of those. Yeah, we don't use it <laughs> I'm like, like we used it. We, it's in our bedroom. Mm-hmm. So whenever one of us had to quarantine, they got to watch the fire stick because we barely use this TV. <laughs> yeah, you can. That's where like uh, the 
IMD. Oh, I was going to say IMDB TV, but now they're Freevee, which is a terrible name. No. Because it's free with commercials. And that's where you can see Tegan and Sarah's TV show at the end of the year. So all these weird channels getting things I want to see that you've never heard of that you would never normally watch. Well, all right. Huh. Content. Content. Content is king. I feel like this should have been a bigger hit of a show, but. Yeah, I think just the peewee ripoffness of it. And like you were saying that it wasn't. It was the end of the era of kids Saturday morning TV show. Like, I don't know what else was on then. I, I think if anything, I was I mean, I was in college then. If I was watching anything, it was just to stay up to date with uh, Batman Beyond and Justice League. That was the only like actual animated shows I was watching at that point. And I don't even think they were on Saturday morning anymore. No. A lot of things. It was everyone was trying to do live action stuff. We were like several seasons deep into Saved by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> And it was surely just, you know, whatever iteration of Power Rangers at that point. Right. And and I think Fox was the last holdoff for like actual animated content for things. And it was still like it was the last season of X-Men. Mm-hmm. CBS really wanted to fill that hole that Pee Wee's Playhouse left in a lineup earlier in the 90s. But it's probably a good idea that it didn't immediately follow that because they were just too much alike when you look at both of them side by side. Uh, But the Weird Al show is really a fun watch, whether you've never seen it before or you have and you just want to revisit it. And this was the perfect all-encompassing holiday episode to end the summer on. So thank you, Joey, for helping me close out another Christmas in July. My pleasure. Better than a Christmas at Ground Zero, that's for sure. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And if people want to send you on an Easter egg hunt through an abandoned mine shaft, where can they find you on the Internet? Oh, you can find me at I'm going to DJ 24 on the Twitter and at why not radio, why not radio.net. And we also have words with nerds, our pop culture talk show, which um, I've probably tried to get in weird Al references and content whenever possible. I'm sure. I feel like, yeah, you totally have. That's how my brain works. <laughs> it's just hardwired in there. Thank you again so much. And thank you all again, podcast pals, for listening. I've left you a gift of show notes for this episode. Those are at adventcalendar.house. And I'll be back again on December 2nd with another countdown to Christmas Eve. But in the meantime, you can say hi on Twitter at FallWestMike and at AdventCalHouse. Until then, for Joey O, from my 10-foot-tall kitchen counter that's taller than every other piece of furniture I own for no reason... This is Mike Westfall with a friendly reminder to always watch out for the icy patch, always listen to your friends, and wishing you and yours a very happy closing credits. Yay! He wants to wish everyone a very bit, the very best Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Easter, Passover, Rosh Hashanah, and Cinco de Mayo, as well as the happiest Groundhogs, Valentine's, President, St. Patrick's, Mother's, Father's, Veterans, Memorial, Flag, Independence, Labor, Arbor, Boxing, Columbus, and Bastille Day ever. That was a very impressive read from him and from you. Hey, thanks. They're only listening to Al's. Sorry, y'all. Today on This Old Mouth, we take an up-close and personal look at our friend, the uvula. Go on home, red nose. Your mama's calling you.